This is a download from Ormskirk Christadelphians of one of our Sunday afternoon talks. A video of the talk is also available along with more downloads at our website, ormskirkchristadelphians.org.uk or join us in person at our meeting room on Moorgate in Ormskirk every Sunday at 1.45pm. We hope you enjoy the talk. In um, Luke chapter 12 verse 32, Jesus says, Fear not, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. I think it's fair to say that the world in which we live has a lot of problems, doesn't it? These are fearful times in which we live, the constant threat of terrorism, wars, famine, economic uncertainty. Where will it all end? Well, if we study God's word, the Bible, we find that the Bible has the answer to all the world's problems and we have nothing to fear, as Jesus says, because God is in control. So I'd like to start by looking at the, the wonderful truth and hope of the gospel that Jesus proclaimed. In Mark chapter 16, verses 15 and 16, It says, And he, Jesus, said unto them, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, he that believeth not shall be damned. Now, Jesus spoke these words to his disciples just after he's been raised from the dead, his resurrection, and just before he ascended into heaven. In fact, they are the, the final face to face instruction spoken by Jesus to his disciples. In verse 19 it says, So then after the Lord has spoken unto them, he was received up into heaven and sat on the right hand of God. So Jesus' final face-to-face instructions to his disciples were to go into all the world, to the Gentiles as well as to the Jews, and proclaim, make known, offer the gospel to every human being. It was not to be withheld from anybody. So what is the gospel? Well, the word gospel is of Anglo-Saxon origin and it means either God's spell, i.e. word of God or good spell, i.e. good news. And it refers to Jesus' teachings and message of salvation to mankind. It teaches mankind how they can attain to God's offer of salvation. In the words of Jesus, whoever believes the gospel and is baptized shall be saved. Now the gospel is termed in six different ways in the New Testament. These are the gospel of your salvation, the gospel of Christ, the gospel of the kingdom, the gospel of the grace of God, the gospel of peace, and the everlasting gospel. So let's go to Ephesians chapter 1 verse 13 first where the gospel is turned as the gospel of your salvation says in that verse in whom you also trusted after that you heard the word of truth the gospel of your salvation in whom also after that you believed you were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise now it is termed here as the gospel of your salvation because the gospel is as I mentioned already, a declaration of how we can obtain salvation through the Lord Jesus. The Gospel gives an account of the author of our salvation, Jesus Christ. 
The gospel speaks of how Jesus freely gave his life on the cross as a sacrifice for the sins of the world, for our sins. And this leads us on to look at the, the second term, the gospel of Christ. In Romans 1 verse 16, the Apostle Paul says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth. Now what Paul is saying here is that it is through the good news, the, the gospel of Jesus' character, his preaching, his death, his resurrection and ascension, that we can be saved. Through baptism into Christ's saving name, and we granted a place in the kingdom of God on earth. Jesus Christ is the sum and substance of the gospel message. In it we read of how he was the only perfect sinless man in the eyes of God to walk the face of the earth. And the message that we get from the divinely inspired New Testament writers is that if we want to attain to God's offer of salvation, then Jesus must be our supreme example of how we as individuals live our lives. In 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 21, it says, For even, for even hereunto were ye called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that ye shall follow his steps, who did no sin, neither was gal found in his mouth. For when he was reviled, reviled not again, when he suffered, he threatened not, but committed himself to him that judgeth righteously, who his own self bare our sins in his own body on the tree, that we being dead to sins, should live unto righteousness by whose stripes you were healed. In verse 24 here, Peter is saying that Jesus himself, the Lord Jesus Christ, was a sacrifice for our sins. There was no other person who could have done what Jesus did. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, died for us. He died for you and I on the cross. He bore our sins on the cross. Though perfect and sinless, Jesus was treated as a sinner so that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. So what were the character traits that made up the perfect sinless character of the Lord Jesus? Well, here we have them. Love, joy, faith, truth, patience, patience, humility, sacrifice, kindness, goodness, obedience, selflessness, self-control, faithfulness, understanding, forgiveness, compassion, courage, enthusiasm, vision, wisdom and power. No other human being will ever have this perfect sinless character of the Lord Jesus Christ. He was unique. But in the New Testament, it speaks of how we should aim to develop a Christ-like character in order to live lives that are acceptable to God. And in 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 5-7, to 7, it says that if we want to grow in the knowledge of Jesus, there are eight graces we need to develop as part of our character once we are baptised. It says in those verses, verse 5 of 2 Peter 1, and beside this giving all diligence add to your faith virtue, to virtue knowledge, to knowledge temperance, to temperance patience, to patience godliness, to godliness brotherly kindness, to brotherly kindness charity. So these are the eight graces. Faith is conviction and strong assurance. Virtue is moral excellence and goodness. Knowledge is correct insight. Self-control is self-discipline. Perseverance is bearing up under trials. Godliness is a, is a character, trying to devotion to God. 
Brotherly kindness is what it says, brotherly kindness and love is active goodwill towards others. And in verse 8 of 2 Peter 1 it says that we must abound in these eight graces, only then can it be said we are growing in knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. It says, For if these things be in you and abound in you, they make you that you shall be neither barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. So Peter is saying here that if we grow in these eight graces, then the more we will know the Lord Jesus, who is a perfect personification of these eight graces. And in verse 10 of 2 Peter 1, Peter says, Wherefore there are the brethren, give diligence to make your calling and election sure. For if you do these things, ye shall never fall. For so an entrance shall be ministered unto you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Saviour Jesus Christ. So if we are baptised into the saving name of the Lord Jesus and put our utmost effort into growing in knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ and developing a Christ-like character, then God assures us that we will not fall short of our salvation and by God's mercy will be granted a place in the kingdom of God on earth. Which leads us on to look at our next term, the gospel of the kingdom. Now in Matthew 4 verse 23 it says, And Jesus went about all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing all manner of sickness, all manner of disease among the people. Now again in that uh, opening verse that I read to start with, Jesus says, Fear not, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Now the gospel of the kingdom refers to the good news of the everlasting kingdom of God, which Jesus will set up when he returns to the earth. Now as I said, these times in which we live are very apprehensive and fearful times for a lot of people, apprehensive about what the future may bring. In the newspapers, on TV every day, we seem to read and see of wars, murders, violent crime, etc. The world in which we live is facing serious problems. But these problems are all predicted in the Bible as signs of the return of Jesus and the establishment of God's kingdom on earth is very near. In Luke 21, verses 25 to 28, there shall be signs in the sun and in the moon and in the stars and upon the earth distress of nations with perplexity the sea and the waves roaring men's hearts failing them for fear and looking after those things which are coming on the earth for the powers of heaven shall be shaken and then verse 27 and then shall they see the son of man coming in a cloud with power and great glory and when these things begin to come to pass and look up and lift up your heads for your redemption, draweth nigh. So it is in the times mentioned in verses 25 and 26 that Jesus will return to judge the world in righteousness and to establish God's kingdom on earth. And the times we live in will seem to fit with verses 25 and 26. And in Matthew 24 we get more signs as to the day when Jesus will return to establish God's kingdom. Now in verse 3 of Matthew 24, Christ is asked by his disciples what the signs will be of his return and the establishment of the kingdom. And in verses 6 and 7, Jesus answers by saying, You shall hear of wars and rumours of wars, see that ye be not troubled, 
for all these things must come to pass but the end is not yet for nation shall rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom there shall be famines and pestilences and earthquakes in diverse places all these are the beginning of sorrows and then in verse 14 Jesus continues by saying and this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for witness unto all nations and then shall the end come now I believe that the, the CBM the Christadelphian Bible Mission has endeavoured over the years to preach the gospel to lots of nations and countries in the world there are now very few countries in, in the world which have not heard the gospel message one sign that Christ's return the establishment of God's kingdom on earth is very near so in these fearful times in which we live let's have a look at what the future will actually bring and have a look at what the kingdom of God on earth will be like because in the page of scripture God has revealed a great deal about what his kingdom will be like the bible tells us that all the current world problems all the fear will be done away with and the kingdom will be a place of worldwide peace and divine peace so first we are told that Jesus in glory's power will be world ruler and we're told that the laws of the kingdom will be unique there will be laws of righteousness and perfect fairness in Isaiah 11 and verses 4 and 5 it says but with righteousness shall he judge the poor and reprove with equity for the meek of the earth he shall smite the earth with the rod of his mouth with the breath of his lips shall he slay the wicked and righteousness shall be the girdle of his loins and faithfulness the girdle of his reins so it will be a kingdom with laws of peace and righteousness there will be laws that will give the honest and faithful every opportunity to serve the Lord and enjoy life in peace in Isaiah chapter 32 verse 16 it says then judgment shall dwell in the wilderness and righteousness remain in the fruitful field and the work of righteousness shall be peace and the effect of righteousness quietness and assurance forever but the laws of the kingdom will be laws which will punish the proud, wicked and the proud Isaiah chapter 2 verse 11 says the lofty looks of man shall be humbled and the haughtiness of man shall be bowed down the Lord alone shall be exalted in that day for the day of the Lord of hosts shall be upon everyone that is proud and lofty and upon everyone that is lifted up and he shall be brought low So unlike this world with all its problems, with all its fear, the kingdom truly will be a wonderful place in which to live. In Isaiah chapter 11 verses 6 to 9 the prophet Isaiah tells us, The wolf also shall dwell with the lamb, the leper shall lie down with the kid and the calf, the lion and the family together, a little child shall lead them, the bear shall feed. The young ones shall lie down together, and the lion shall eat straw like the ox. The sucking child shall play on the hole of the asp, and the weaned child shall put his hand on the cockatrice stain. They shall not hurt nor destroy in all my holy mountain, for the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. So verse 9 here is saying that in the kingdom, wars will be a thing of the past. 
and we read also of this in Psalm 72 verse 7 in his day shall the righteous flourish and abundance of peace so long as the moon endureth and then Isaiah chapter 2 and verse 4 and he Jesus shall judge among the nations and shall rebuke many people they shall beat their swords into plowshares their spears into pruning hooks nations shall not lift up sword against nation neither shall they learn war anymore with all the wars and conflicts going on in the world at this current time it's hard to imagine a world with no wars or conflicts but in the kingdom there will be no war and that alone in these days in which we live is truly good news for us all and with war the scourge of war and the economic impact of war eliminating the kingdom and it will give great opportunity for prosperity and agricultural pursuits in Joel chapter 3 and verse 18 it shall come to pass in that day the mountains shall drop new wine the hills shall flow with milk all the rivers of Judah shall flow with waters fountains shall come forth out of the lot shall come forth of the house of the Lord and shall water the, the shall water the valley of Shittim so here it's saying that all rivers in Judah will flow constantly with waters all the time there will be no droughts as there often is today and in Isaiah 35 verses 1 and 2 we read that the deserts will blossom as the rose and become a fruitful oasis it says the wilderness and the solitary place shall be glad for them the desert shall rejoice and blossom as a rose it shall blossom abundantly and rejoice even with joy in singing the, the glory of Lebanon shall be given unto it the excellency of Carmel and Sharon they shall see the glory of the Lord and the excellency of our God and all these wonderful improvements peace, righteousness, prosperity in the life of man will be for the one specific purpose that God will be glorified in all things and in Zephaniah chapter 3 and verse 9 we seem to be told that in one pure language one pure universal language God's faithful people will praise God it says for then will I turn to the people a pure language that they may all call upon the name of the Lord to serve him with one consent now the many impure languages of today will be changed into one pure universal language in the kingdom now the many different languages that we have today in the world came about because of man's sin against God in building the Tower of Babel which we read of in the book of Genesis uh, chapter 11 and the first nine verses now the people's aim here was to build a tower whose top as it, as it says in verse 4 of uh, Genesis chapter 11 that would reach up to heaven so they could worship the sun, moon and stars all of which God created so God confounded their one language into many languages the word Babel means confusion but in the kingdom the one pure universal language will be restored once again it will be one language with which to worship God and God alone and in the prophet Zechariah we read that annual pilgrimages will be made by all peoples to Jerusalem the new capital of the world to praise and worship the Lord 
It says, And it shall come to pass that every one that is left of all the nations which came against Jerusalem shall even go up from year to year to worship the King, the Lord of hosts, and to keep the Feast of Tabernacles. So the gospel of the kingdom of God is truly good news for us all, especially for our generation, as we could very well be the generation that sees the return of Jesus and the establishment of the kingdom. As I've just mentioned, the prophetic messages of Jesus in the gospel indicate very clearly that these times in which we live are the times in which the kingdom of God will be established. I imagine the return of Jesus to solve all the world's problems and establish the everlasting peaceful kingdom of God on earth is far too fanciful to be true. But God says it will happen. And he gives the example in Genesis of the, the people of Noah's generation who thought that the prospect of water falling from the sky and the great flood upon the earth was far too fanciful to be true and would never happen. Noah preached to them for 120 years of the impending judgments of God, praying that they would repent of their ways and join him on the ark. But all they did was laugh and scoff at him and carry on as though nothing was going to happen. But as they say, I'm sure we all know the story of what happened next. As always, God kept his promise, the flood came and destroyed them all. And the gospel message tells us that God has appointed a day when he will send his son Jesus back to the earth to judge the world in righteousness and to establish the kingdom of God. And in the Gospel of Matthew, Jesus tells us that many people in the days before his return will have the same willful ignorance of his return as those in Noah's day had of the coming flood. Verses 37 to 39, Jesus says, But as the days of Noah were, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. As in the days that were before the flood, they were eating, drinking, marrying, and giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered into the ark. And knew not until the flood came and took them all away. So shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. So these are great words of warning for us all from Jesus in these verses. The gospel message is offering us a choice. On the one hand, God is offering us eternal life in his kingdom on earth if we choose to believe the gospel message and are baptised. As Jesus says in the verse of Saturday's talk with Mark 16 verse 15, whoever believes and is baptised shall be saved. On the other hand, God will not force anyone to believe his gospel message. It's entirely our choice. If we choose to reject it, that's fine. All that will happen is we'll live out our mortal years, dying that will be it. And the sad fact is that most people given the choice would choose a second choice because choosing the first choice means that we are acknowledging without a doubt that God exists that we are responsible to him which means a complete change in lifestyle to one that pleases our Heavenly Father. So eventually the rule of Christ and the kingdom will remove all trace of sin from the earth and even death itself will be no more then at last God will be all in all. Moving on quickly, the next way in which the gospel is termed is as the gospel of the grace of God. In Acts 20, verse 24, Apostle Paul says, But none of these things move me, neither count I my life dear unto myself, so that I might finish my course with joy and the ministry which I have received of the Lord Jesus, to testify the gospel of the grace of God. 
Now by the gospel of the grace of God, Paul is referring to the good news for mankind. As we've heard already, God is a gracious, merciful God, and that his grace and favour is available to all sinners if we choose to accept it through the sacrifice of the Lord Jesus. Next is termed as the gospel of peace. Ephesians 6 verse 14 says, Stand therefore, having your loins girt about with truth, having on the breastplate of righteousness, and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Now it's called the gospel of peace because it makes those who follow it to be of a peaceful nature and behaviour by trying to grow in the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ and trying to develop a character like Christ. And it also directs us into the way of everlasting peace in the kingdom of God. The final gospel term is to be found in the final book of the Bible, Revelation chapter 14 and verse 6, where it's termed the everlasting gospel. And I saw another angel fly in the midst of heaven, having the everlasting gospel to preach unto them that dwell on the earth, to every nation and kindred and tongue and people, saying with a loud voice, Fear God and give glory to him, for the hour of his judgment is come. And worship him that made heaven and earth and the sea and the fountains of the waters. So the gospel is referred to as the everlasting gospel here because it has and will remain forever unchanged. The truths we find in it have always existed because the gospel is the inspired word of God. The gospel's effects are everlasting for those who believe it and act upon it. So sorry slide behind so what does acting upon it mean I've mentioned the word baptism a few times this afternoon again the opening verse from Mark chapter 16 Jesus says whoever believes and is baptized shall be saved so I'd just like to end by looking very briefly at what baptism means in Romans chapter 6 and verse 1 Paul says what shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? Now you know that so many of us, of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death. Therefore we are buried with him by baptism into death. For like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. So baptism represents death, an association with the death of the Lord Jesus. When we rise on the water of baptism, our past sins are wiped clean by God, we are resurrected to a new life following Jesus. And the scriptural teaching of baptism says it is done through full adult immersion, and it is essential for our salvation. In John chapter 3, in verses 1 to 5, we read of an encounter between a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, the rule of the Jews and the Lord Jesus and in verse uh, 5 Jesus says these words to Nicodemus he says verily verily I say unto thee except a man be born of water and of the spirit he cannot enter into the kingdom of God so in the words of Jesus here except a man be born again into a new life in Jesus through the water of baptism he cannot enter the kingdom of God and even Jesus, who was perfect and sinless, was baptized to show its necessity for salvation. We read of Christ's baptism 
in Matthew chapter 3. So, baptism is an essential part of our salvation. That alone does not mean we will be saved. Once baptised, we must, as I said already, grow in the knowledge of the Lord Jesus by living a life in accordance with his teachings laid out for us in the Gospel message. So if we do these two essential things, then by God's grace, when Christ returns, we will be granted immortality in the kingdom of God on earth. So that is why the Gospel is extremely relevant today, just as it has been down the ages. It is God's offer of salvation to you, to mankind, to you personally, made possible through the sacrifice of his only begotten Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. And the choice is yours as to whether or not you want to accept it. But if you do, then make no mistake, it will be the best decision you ever make. So as we've seen this afternoon, the Bible and the Gospel message has the answer to all the world's problems. We need not fear about the state that the world is in or what might happen because God is in control and very soon he will establish his kingdom here on earth. And I'll conclude with that verse we began with where Jesus says, Fear not, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. We hope you enjoyed that talk. For more downloads, videos, information about what we believe and details of our meeting times, go to our website ormskirkchristadelphians.org.uk